Thank you for tuning in to the Living Hope Church podcast. This is a free resource given to you uh, for your benefit and for your faith to be grown in the Lord. So we encourage you, if you are a Living Hope Church member, to share this podcast, to share these sermons, if they have fueled your faith in any way. And if you are not a Living Hope Church member, we pray and encourage you to stay and remain faithful in a local body, a local church for the building of the body, and that this would only be a supplement for your faith. But we do pray that this encourages you in your faith, all for His glory and for His name's sake. Thank you for tuning in, and let's get into the sermon. God is good, is He not? I want to begin with a brief story. A man was walking along an edge of rock that was unfamiliar to him. It was the first time. But he slipped off the edge and fell. And as he was falling, he, he reached out and he was able to grab a ledge of rock. And there he was dangling, dangling from the rock, no place to put his feet. As he cried out for help, he heard the echo. He heard the emptiness all around him. And he wondered, is there anybody out there? to help him. Help! Help! He cried out. A voice below him responded, I am here! I can help! Relief washed through the man. Oh, he was not alone and someone could help. Oh, thank you! Are are you coming to me? Or, or, Or is there a place that you see I can climb up to? Yes, I know what you need to do, said the voice. I need you to listen to me very carefully. Okay, I'm I'm listening. I want you to let go. What? I said I want you to let go. The man held there for a moment. Wondering what to do. And then he said, Is there somebody else who can help me? You know, oftentimes we find ourselves in those kinds of circumstances. We feel hopeless, without, we feel alone, and we're, one, we're just dangling there. Uh, just nothing but our hands holding on to something, and we are feeling desperate and fearful of falling. And we cry out for help. You know, what would you do in that circumstance? Would you be willing to listen to a voice that you don't know who it comes from? telling you to do what you don't want to do, what the most scary thing it is for you to do? What would you do in that situation? Would you be willing to let go? You know, if we knew the one who is telling us to let go, it would be much easier to follow the instructions. It would be easier to trust that voice. But notice that the man asked for someone else because he did not know who was speaking to him. And that is why the more we know Jesus and see him clearly, the more we are able to trust and the less fear has a grip on us. And that's going to be our focus this morning is seeing Jesus clearly so that we can trust him instead of fearing. But we also know that it's just not always easy. It's easier said than done, right? This letting go of fear. 
So let me open up in prayer just as we enter into his word. And we're going to start with Psalm 88. So if you could go ahead and turn there while I pray. Father, again, as we come to your word, we do. We give you all praise. We give you all glory. We just continue to say, here we are. We ask you to speak. Speak through your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. That whatever comes out is from you and you alone. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the, cor- the coronavirus has been king of our attention in these past multiple weeks now, going into months. And in fact, corona is the Latin word for crown. And for all of us, we've had to, have to place our trust in our leaders as they've given us directions and orders on how to behave now in order to save people. It's been for our good. And leaders at every level have placed restrictions on us in order so that we can see this coronavirus die down and not spread as quickly. And obviously some leaders we trust more than others. But also many have been in fear. And when we live in fear, we do things that we normally would not do, like hoard one of the most important things on the grocery store shelves, and that's toilet paper. I remember when I responded with irrational fear. And when I was younger and had more hair, my younger brother and I, we went next door to our neighbor's house, and they had a dog named Brutus. And Brutus was a nice dog. He was a yellow lab. But his doghouse was in their small barn, which was behind their house, and it had stacks of hay all around the doghouse. Now, my brother and I, we were uh, just playing with him, and uh, at some point, we wanted to try to lead him into the doghouse. I don't, I don't remember why, but we just wanted to lead him into the doghouse. So we started to back up and say, come on, Brutus, come on. And the closer we got to the entrance, Brutus started to bark. And it wasn't like a friendly bark either. It was kind of like a mad bark. Well, that scared both my brother and I. And we didn't want to move towards the barking dog. And there didn't seem to be anywhere else to turn or to go to. And so we ended up backing in, crawling, kind of crawling in to the doghouse. And there we were, two kids, scared and frightened, screaming, cramped in this doghouse with his dog barking at us. And that's a, for me, that was a really fearful situation. And I, w- I had gone in first, and uh, on the side of the doghouse, there was this hole that the hay was clearly just blocking, um, kind of sheltering the dog in, so there wasn't this huge hole in it. And, uh, and my brother reached across me. So just picture me. I'm sitting there crying, yelling, one of the, wondering what the heck to do, and my brother reaches across, trying to, wondering if he could push the hay. Well, I did not like that at all. I was like, in, inwardly, I remember thinking, what is he thinking? What is he doing? Um, and out of my fear, I, this outreached arm is going past me, and I just bit down on his arm. And I remember biting really hard. 
Because when we're fearful, we do irrational things. When fear grips us, we kind of, all thought goes outside of our minds and we just respond with, with just these instinctual kinds of things because of the fear. Because when we are scared and full of fear, we, get, we do irrational things. Think about Genesis 3. Adam and Eve, they have just disobeyed God. They knew that they had disobeyed God. They hear him walking in the garden. What do they try doing? They try hiding. They try hiding from God. None of us can hide from God. But when we are afraid, we do irrational things. Or think about Peter. Peter, as he's near the, the high priest place, when Jesus is being tried, he denies him three times because he is afraid. We do irrational things when we are scared. You know, it's very easy to cry out to God in fear in light of this pandemic. And for Christians, it really is okay if we're crying out to God in fear. Because fear is a natural response, right? It's part of being human. There are truly scary things in the world. That's a reality. So... So if we were not to respond to truly scary things out of fear, then, then that would be something wrong because we would not be responding accordingly. But God invites us to come as we are. And we see this in Psalm 88. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalm 88. We're just going to walk through this. Psalm 88 is, is the writer is in the grip of fear and grief. He feels very alone and abandoned by God. Let me read. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Psalm 88. He begins, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out and day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. So he opens up going to God, the God of his salvation, asking him to hear this prayer. But what is this prayer? Well, let's read on. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. Sheol is, is another word for grave in, in Hebrew. Um, so, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. All right, so he's not in a good place, is he? He feels like he's going down to the depths of despair. He's going down to death. But how did he get there? Verse 6, you, he, as he's praying, he says, You, God, have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Verse 8, you have caused my companions to shun me. So he feels really alone. Any friends that he had, any companions, any beloved ones are gone. They shun him. He says, God, you have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread up my hands to you. So each time he's, he's crying out to God in the midst of his despair, in the midst of his fear and abandonment, he feels very alone. He still is crying out to God. And then he asks a series of questions. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared 
in the grave? Or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness? Or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? Again, all the implied answers are no. No, God's not there. Verse 13, but I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? See, again, he, he's feeling like God has just totally shunned him and cast him out. He's removed, God has removed any close relationships, people that he could rely on. He's just in a place where he is in the depth of despair. Why do you hide your face from me? Verse 15, afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. Darkness has become my only companion. Did you notice that's the last verse? You know, often in Scripture we read in the Psalms, people just pouring out their, their hearts out to God and they feel lonely and abandoned. But yet at the end, you, oftentimes at the end of a Psalm they say, but you, God, you are faithful. You will come and rescue me. Did you notice how Psalm 88 ends? We are left wondering, is God going to come through? There's, there's nothing that says, but God, you're going to come through. No, darkness is my only companion. God, not even you are my companion. Only darkness that you've placed me in is my companion. It leaves in a very low spot. And so we're left wondering, God, are you going to come through for the psalmist or for us who, this, who, who we can respond to? We can relate to this psalm, to this depth of despair. Are you going to come through And I want you to know that if we were to look at other places in Scripture, if we were to look at our lives clearly, we would see, yes, God does come through. And we can be encouraged because the fact that we're asking God means that there is a, a depth of trust in Him. That in the midst of our despair, in the midst of our fear, we can look to Him. We can come to Him. And the fact that we're asking God, the fact that the psalmist is asking God, it shows that there's a deep level of trust from which to stand upon towards God, asking him, crying out to him, when will you answer? And that shows that that, that is a trust. Because if, if there was no trust, we'd be going to someplace else. We'd be going to someone else. And we see that God has come through not only in our own lives and also in Scripture, but also through his son, Jesus, whom he sent and whom God has made king and given Jesus all authority in heaven and on earth. And the kingship of Jesus is a prominent theme in Palm Sunday. And that is what we want to see clearly this morning, that Jesus is king over all. And when we see him clearly as king, who has all authority in heaven and on earth, in all creation, then trusting him becomes a quicker response when we are able, then we are able to kick fear off the ledge. So turn, if, turn with me now to Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 21. Palm Sunday, uh, as you look through your Bibles, most times you won't see Palm Sunday listed. You'll see a label or a subtitle called the Triumphal Entry. And this is what we celebrate 
on Palm Sunday is the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem. As you're turning there, let me just offer a few words of a preface here. That until this virus, America was experiencing record low unemployment. Many economic indicators were going well and trending up. We were in a good place. People were able to get jobs and things looked promising. And then this virus makes its way all around the world. Leaders took drastic measures to protect as many people as possible. And things come to a screeching halt with lots of uncertainty, lost lost jobs, and many hopes are dashed into pieces. You know, from the triumphal entry to the crucifixion, we see a similar pattern here. The triumphal entry is full of celebration. Everything is going well. The king has come. Hosanna, the son of David, he's come. And then a week later, that king is killed. And people's hopes are dashed to pieces. There are two major things going on in the story that we want to highlight this morning about Jesus' kingship. First is the fulfillment of prophecy. So as you look in Matthew chapter 21, the first few verses, Jesus gives instructions to his disciples to uh, how to find an animal for him to ride on, a colt. And, um, and, if, any, and if the person were to ask, hey, what, what are you doing with this? They were to respond, the Lord has need of it. And Matthew gives this the reason for Jesus' instruction in verse 4. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, prophet Zechariah, saying this. And, this, and he quotes scripture. And this comes from Zechariah 9.9. Let me le- read Zechariah 9.9 for you. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So notice that the point of that fulfillment of prophecy is that the king is coming. Jesus is the king riding on the colt into the city of Jerusalem. So that's one point that emphasizes Jesus' kingship in this passage the second one is what, how the people respond. The people respond with laying down branches. In John, uh, he specifically says palm branches, which is why we call this Palm Sunday. We lay down palm branches. But there were other branches that they could have laid down from olive trees. But they also did something else. They took their outer clothes, their cloaks, and they laid them on the, on the road for Jesus to ride over. Now, what, what does this mean? What, what do these actions mean? These were actions to be done for uh, a king when he would come through into a town. People would come and they would lay out things. And it, as a, it was a sign of honor and paying homage to the one coming in. And so this is another facet of the, of the passage that emphasizes Jesus' kingship, that he is coming as the king. But many people thought that Jesus was coming to free his people as the king, to free them from Rome. That's what they thought. That the line of Judah was coming as a conquering king 
and Rome was going to be pushed aside into free Israel. But the line of Judah is also the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. And that's what they did not understand in that context. And that's where we're able to look back and see Jesus was not coming to establish a political kingdom, one with boundaries on a map like the United States or, or Kuwait or any other country. No, he was coming for something much deeper and much more important and foundational. He came to conquer the darkness that resides in us all. And that darkness, which can lead some to hoard toilet paper and some to scam people for money because of fear. And sin is the root of all fear. Let me ask you this. How would you like to respond to the situation going on today? to a global pandemic. Would you like to respond by running around desperately grabbing for whatever supplies you can find because you are scared about being without them? Is that how you want to respond? Or would you like to approach it knowing that Jesus is on the throne and you approach it with wisdom and concern, knowing that, okay, this is what I need to do. God's in control. He will provide. He will help me through this. But here's what we need to do. How would you like to respond in this? And that's where I think, I think all of us would like to respond level-headed, not allow fear to get the best of us, but to respond in trust to the Lord. And that's where it becomes important, seeing Jesus clearly as king, so that we can trust him and not fear. Sin or decay, emptiness and guilt, these are all signs of sin that leads to fear. And our enemy feeds on it. Our enemy feeds on it like blood to a great white shark. It attracts him and it comes like a great white shark coming to continue to, to injure and maim the person in fear in order to imprison them even more. From children to adults who live in constant fear, they do not thrive. You know, these are serious conditions, and we have special places for these people to help treat them and care for them because they're not thriving. And what this tells us is that we were not made for fear. But Jesus has come as the king to take back what sin and the enemy have taken away from us. Instead of fear, we were designed for love. And Jesus comes as the conquering king to win us back through his love on the cross to rescue us from fear. And when we see Jesus clearly, we see his kingship and his love. We see what's true about him. And that's what we can trust in. That's what we can hold on to during these times or any uncertain time. We saw that even when we feel despair and it seems like God has abandoned from Psalm 88, when God has abandoned us, our going to him demonstrates our trust. And just those little steps of trust allows us to strengthen and build and it grows. Our trust in God grows even with the smallest exercises of it. And as our trust grows in him, fear has less room to have a growth to have a grip, and to have power. 
You know, those who cheered for Jesus as king may not have known fully why he was coming. Yeah, they thought he was coming to take away Rome, but they misunderstood it. But Jesus still came as king. He knew why he was there and what he was doing. And Jesus knows what's going on today. And as a result, we can trust in him because he knows. We can place our confidence in him. He is the one who knows he is king. He has the authority. It is his voice that calls us to trust in him when we are dangling from a rock ledge, fearful of falling. He is the one we can trust because he has the greater authority than the coronavirus. He is the one we can look to when our 401k is shrinking or jumping all over the place. Or when you go to the store and something you need is completely gone. We can trust in him. So, let us turn to King Jesus and ponder his perfect love for us during this week, this holy week, where we look forward to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. Let us ponder the great love that brought him to this place, that brought him to enter as the king into Jerusalem, where a week later they killed him on the cross. Let us ponder that love. Because that love is the antidote to all fear. As God's word says, perfect love casts out all fear. Let us be lights in trusting God. Trusting God and encouraging our neighbors who may not know God. But let's just be an encouraging voice. Yes, we are encouraged because we know God has us. And the more we see Jesus clearly, the more that we understand how he has us. We are in the safest, most secure place being in Jesus. So let's be an encouragement to the world around us as we're, as we're confined to um, our homes and the, the, just the small area around us. Let us be the voice of encouragement to our neighbors who don't have that trust, who don't know Jesus is king and therefore fear is more able to grip them. And finally, let's do this. Let's knock the coronavirus off its throne and let's place King Jesus up there. Jesus is king. He has the only corona. He has the only crown. And that's where we as the body of Christ can be stepping up in prayer and really seeking God and taking authority, the authority that we have in Jesus and just praying against whatever authority and power the coronavirus has. Its days are numbered. And Jesus coming to Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday is a remembrance of that, that he will win the day. We don't know how he's going to do it. We still, some of us may have scars. Remember Jacob, he had a limp after he wrestled with God. It was with him the rest of his life. He didn't get out without, without any marks. And we are not going to get out, along out of this without any marks either. But Jesus is still going to come through because he is king. And so let's come together and worship and honor him as the king of kings. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the realism of scripture in Psalm 88, where people were just pouring out their hearts to you and they sensed that you would abandon them. Things that are so counterintuitive to what we know about you. But yet you still welcome 
us to come when we feel that way and to present our request to you. And you remind us on Palm Sunday when Jesus, when you came as the King of Kings, we are reminded that you have all authority. You have not left us as orphans. You have truly not abandoned us, but you are with us. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you increase our trust in you each and every day so that we might knock fear out of our hearts. For we were not made for fear. We were made for love. And that love comes when we're able to trust in you for all things, for you're so good to us. And now would you prepare our hearts as we celebrate you as king because you came as the Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And we come to your table now. So would you receive this time and the intent and the heart that we do this together, though, we're, although, though it's through technology, as, an, as a fragrant aroma pleasing in your sight, as we worship you through the Lord's table. In Jesus' name, amen.